0: The bird show, um, we're back. We're a day late and a dollar short. Well, I wasn't really going to mention the day late part. And how are we a dollar short? Just pay me a dollar.
1: <laughs> I don't have a dollar. Then, I'm short.
0: Then we won't be a dollar short. Pay me a dollar. I don't I'll have wait. a dollar. I'll wait. <laughs>
1: I do not have Dang. a dollar. You raided my wallet this past week.
0: No, it was two weeks ago now.
1: I know. Actually, it was last more week. More. It was not this past weekend. It was the weekend before last. See, there you go. But you still raided my wallet, and I'm waiting for my change.
0: Um, yeah. You didn't tell me I had to bring back change. It's my money. Well, I could have gone to the bank and gotten my own. But you said, no, don't do that. I have money, so use mine. So I did. You didn't <laughs> tell me I needed to come back with no, change. No, no. no,
1: the deal was that you were not supposed to use my money first while you still have your money in your wallet. Uh, the,
0: no, That was, that was <laughs> not in the contract. <laughs> I reviewed the agreement. It is not there.
1: We are going to have to discuss this with the lawyer.
0: Would would you rather I have changed the agreement? Pray (laughs) I do not change it again.
1: No (laughs) Vader. All right. So we didn't have a show last week.
0: We didn't. It was your fault.
1: (laughs) I don't think that our fan base really cares about laying blame.
0: Somebody's keeping score. I don't know who, but somebody's keeping score. You. Right now, the tally is
1: 342 to (laughs) 3. It is not. (laughs) I can't help it if I have a life and you do not.
0: No, this wasn't because anybody having a life, this was you didn't feel well. Wow. And, you know, we we have agreed that if one of us is feeling off, it's better to not have a show because then the show tends to suck and everybody gets, you know, disappointed.
1: Well, exactly. <clears throat> it's a service to our fans. There you go. I mean, we do this raw. We don't rehearse. We barely plan. We have to give them something that is the best part of us. Okay. I'm just saying that when we're not feeling great, it it affects the, the show.
0: We also only had one story last week to really talk about.
1: Well, that would be the other reason why I was not coming out of my migraine funk <laughs> just for one story. So why don't we do this? Okay. Why don't we do last week's show, like right now, and we'll close it, and then we'll start this week's show?
0: Um, no, that's kind of lame. <sighs> We will, however, talk about the one story that we did have because it was kind of an important story. We got the provisional calendar for next year.
1: He says this as if not everybody else in the entire world got the provisional calendar at the same time. We did not get it special. Stefano did not email it to you and say, hey, you've got a preview copy of the provisional calendar now, did he?
0: And I blame you because you <laughs> pissed him off.
1: I did not piss him off.
0: You got him annoyed. We're now, we're now blocked. We got removed from the distribution list because you got him annoyed.
1: I did no such thing.
0: Something about taxi driving in Bahrain. In <laughs> Dr- no, no, no. <laughs> You're
1: confusing me <laughs> with Alonso. Oh. Not <clears throat> my calls to his cell phone.
0: Okay. So anyway, we have the provisional calendar for 2022.
1: How many races is it?
0: 23 races.
1: 23 and 22? Yes. See what I did there?
0: Yeah, we did. Thank you for calling (laughs) it out. So the notable stuff, for starters, race number four, April 24th, the weekend of April 24th. Do I need to mark this on a calendar? The return of the Emilia Romana Grand Prix in emilia They officially made it to the calendar.
1: Like, not as a special one-off thing. As a scheduled
0: race. <laughs> Whoa. Imola has made it to the calendar. Whoa. Now, Congratulations, emilia t- Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to see that. Mm-hmm. Um... The following race, so two weeks later, May 8th, F1 goes to Miami. (sighs) And this is one of those things that I think has got to really kind of frustrate Formula One. So April 10th is race number three in Australia, in Melbourne, assuming that that goes off. Mm -hmm. We hope so. Um, April 24th, Emilia Romana in Imola... May 8th, Miami. May 22nd, back to Europe for Spain.
1: That seems crazy as far as trying to group things
0: together semi-near each other. And then May 29th, Monaco. and, and, And yeah, May 29th, Monaco. June 12th, Azerbaijan. And then June 19th, Canada. And we know... It's like a 29-hour flight from Azerbaijan to Montreal. Hmm.
1: Okay, are any of these got asterisks on them, like to be confirmed, or it's provisional? The whole calendar's provisional. The the, the
0: whole calendar's provisional, I believe, and I I don't have the note in this particular story. Um, I believe Spain is a provisional race. Um there's, I think Singapore is provisional as well. Um, I think there's three of them that are actually provisional. But the other thing that really kind of caught my eye here. So yeah, we've got Miami. We do not have a race in Germany..
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We do not have a race in China. Interesting. Yeah. And I didn't know that the Chinese Grand Prix was at risk of getting dropped from the calendar.
1: They may not be ready to have people yet.
0: Well, there was talk at one point about them trying to host a race this year and and fill one of the gaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I had not heard that China was at risk of falling off the calendar. Interesting. So as you recall, this year we wrap up in December. Correct. We have new cars, presumably two to three weeks of testing that hasn't been agreed on as of yet. Um, but race number one starts on March 20th in Bahrain. And it's believed at this point, or, or the theory at this point, is that the final round of testing will be in Bahrain.
1: Correct. That's what I understood.
0: hmm The second race of the season, March 27th, will be... Back in Saudi Arabia, where we race as one, except in Saudi Arabia.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a few of those races that are not truly yeah, there's
0: races ones. Quite a few of them. Um, we don't have Turkey on there this year, as of right now.
1: Maybe it'll replace Miami.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. It sounds like the track is coming along. <laughs> okay. Construction is actively going on at the track. It is what it is. It's about all I can say on it. And remember, that's a 10-year deal.
1: It's Miami.
0: Anyway, I'm hopeful that Melbourne happens mm-hmm. because as you may recall, you may not recall, they actually poured quite a bit of money into repaving the circuit, redoing the the pit wall or, or the, um, the paddock and redoing all of that stuff. In anticipation of a race this year that we haven't gotten. Exactly. So it'd be really nice if we could see the reprofiled track and the repaved track and all of that next year. So we're crossing our fingers on that
1: one. Exactly.
0: Quite a few triple headers this year.
1: Oh, they don't like the triple headers.
0: It's going to be a hard, it's going to be a really hard calendar for Formula One. But more races for us, so at least there's that.
1: Well, there is that. I mean, once we actually can start traveling again, too, uh, there is that risk that we might miss more shows
0: on race weekends. We'll see what happens. We'll play that as We'll usual, blame you next year. Whatever. Anyway, so other stories.
1: Okay, so that closes out last week's missed show. Yeah, the, the one thing. <laughs> the one thing. Now, this week's news.
0: So... We'd been talking, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the ongoing rumor around Michael Andretti and Andretti Auto Sport attempting to purchase the Sauber Alfa Romeo, well, it's the Alfa Romeo Sauber Formula One team is the official name. Okay. And bringing Colton Herda out of uh, IndyCar to drive, and, and It sounds like, as the rumors were spinning up in the last week or so, that the thought was that they'd be able to get him the super license so that he could drive in 22 alongside Valtteri Bodas.
1: Now, wouldn't that be cool?
0: And the hope was that they could have announced the deal this past weekend during the U.S. Grand Prix weekend.
1: But they didn't.
0: They did not. Word is now, and and we've heard this in a couple of from a couple of sources, which is why I'm willing to go and mention it. Um, word is that Andretti put forward an offer of over three hundred million dollars for an eighty percent share in Islero Investments. Now, Islero Investments is the investment firm that purchased the team from Peter Sauber a few years ago, right? Um. Word, and the the company was set up by Longbow Finance. Actually, it was Longbow that, that bought the team and created this new holding company. Um, word is that Longbow, however, has put the deal on hold. And actually, some of what we saw this weekend in Austin may be why Longbow put the deal on hold. So the thought is or the, the word that we're hearing is Longbow put it on hold because they're thinking that Formula One is on the rise. hmm And that with Formula One increasing in popularity, the value of the teams are starting to pick up. Oh. So the thought is that somebody at Longbow and is Laro has turned around and said, you know.
1: We could get more money.
0: If we hold out two more years, we could get a lot more money. Oh. So we'll, we'll, it does not at this point sound like a deal is forthcoming. Mm-hmm. But we'll see.
1: Well, you never know. You know, there may suddenly be an extra $50 million in the deal. And, oh, well, that's good enough.
0: Yeah. And, you know... They pick up the team. So if Andretti, Andretti pulls this off, they would pick up the team for $300 million, if, mm-hmm. if this information is correct. Keep in mind that if you wanted to start a brand new team, you'd pay a fee of $200 million just to, you know, as earnest money to, to even start a team.
1: Right. And then forego. <clears throat> Did they change that, that you forego your prize money for three years?
0: I don't believe that they have. But even without that, once you have paid the earnest money of $200 million, you're looking at somewhere in the area of 500 to $600 million to do all of the other costs to spin up the team.
1: I think Gene Haas could give you a balance sheet on that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one of the other topics of conversation, since possibility that Andretti could come, the U.S. Grand Prix, everyone went running to Valtteri and go, hey, did you know this was a possibility? He said, yeah, nope." <laughs> have no. no idea
1: <laughs> He's just happy he got his multi-year deal for the first time
0: ever yeah So yeah he he's happy to be coming to the team I, I, I kind of question the comments that was made this weekend about he's looking forward to the advantage of a Ferrari engine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't quite know
1: that that's an advantage yet, but...
0: Mm.
1: But it could be the closest <clears throat> he gets to playing in the little red cars. Possibly. Yeah. Everybody's got to drive one at some point.
0: Well, you know, if you remember a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you know, when when it was announced that Kimi Raikkonen was leaving, for, and I think we mentioned this before, when Kimi Raikkonen was leaving Ferrari, everyone kept talking about how Valtteri Bottas was on the short list to replace Kimi. Now, finally, Valtteri gets to replace Kim (laughs) In a
1: Ferrari-powered car. I'm telling you, one fin is as good as another.
0: So, this week, Formula One and Motorsport Network unveiled the results of the largest single sports survey ever conducted by Nielsen Sports. All about the, the state of the sport and where Formula One is. It's the 2021 Global Fan Survey. So some of the results that came in, um, in the eyes of, of fans, at least their fans, you know, the, the group that was done, Formula One is considered the pinnacle of motorsport.
1: It is the pinnacle of motorsport. They say it themselves.
0: <laughs> well, I think the survey just kind of goofy to even ask that question to begin <laughs> with. I mean, you're asking Formula One fans, hey, is this the pinnacle of motorsport? They're going to go, yeah, no. No, I think German touring cars yeah. is the pinnacle I mean, of Come motorsport. on. <laughs> come on. Um, they did say coming out of this that the, the sport is seeing um, greater interest and in, in engagement from more enthusiastic, diverse, and evolving fan base since the last survey, which was conducted in 2017. Um, average age was uh, of the respondents was 32, down four years from 2017. Female participation in the survey nearly doubled to 18.3%, up Whoop. from 10%. Whoop student age responses increased to 26% up from 18% in 2017. So it was conducted in 15 languages and they got feedback from 167,000 fans in 187 countries. So some of the findings that they had, um, 25% of the fans said that Um, the sport is in better health than five years ago. That was back in 2017. That number is now 55%.
1: We've been saying that.
0: Yeah. Um, A lot of talk about the impact that Drive to Survive has had. Mm -hmm. And it truly has. Um, They say 91% of fans express a favorite team, 94% a favorite driver, with McLaren as the number one most popular team, followed by Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. Max Verstappen is the number one driver, particularly amongst fans 25 to 34, with Lando Norris number two and the highest ranked driver amongst the female demographic. Lewis Hamilton is number three and the highest ranked in the United Kingdom and amongst fans 35 years old and older.
1: Well, that would be our demographic.
0: Daniel Ricciardo number 4 is number 4 and the highest ranked in Australia, shocking, and number 2 amongst female fans. I'm not shocked by that at all. The fans' favorite races are Monza Spa, Silverstone and Monaco. That kind of surprises me, especially that Mon- uh, that um Monza and Monaco are up there.
1: Well, I think Monaco gets a lot of cachet because it is so celeb Heavy. It's it's about the. It's not about the race that weekend. It's about all the other stuff that yeah. makes Monaco so iconic. I, I think that you. It, it's it's that thing about you can't be a gearhead until you've owned an Alpha, and you can't be a race fan if you don't appreciate and like Monaco. I just think that that's kind of like. And, and
0: yeah, I I mean. From a racing perspective, it's not great, but that visual perspective of the cars running around, it is fantastic. I mean.
1: And there's a lot of excitement that builds into that. So I think you kind of ride along with it. It's, you know, I hate to make comparisons to football, but you know, sometimes the Super Bowl games are, the game is really dull. Yeah. But it's all the stuff around it. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of
0: Monaco. So... Penetration of pay TV is high. Half of fans are now watching races on pay TV. Okay. Um, 68% of fans say that they want to watch live races on TV. 13.8% say they want to watch online. That one kind of surprises me.
1: Okay. Why?
0: Because basically it's saying that only 13% of fans want to stream the races. Okay. Okay. Um, More than half of all fans, 51%, are playing motorsports-specific video games, with 64% of those aged 16 to 34 as active motorsports gamers. And 80% within the 16 to 24 demographic have played the F1 game in the past year. And this one also surprises me. 34% in that demographic have watched F1-specific esports broadcasts.
1: That's where Orlando Norris's popularity is coming from.
0: Last year, yes, but in terms of the form, because remember, there is a former, excuse me, there is a formal Formula One esports league Correct. of which none of the current drivers participate. Right, and that I don't. And, and this year, I don't think he's doing the streams like he did last year.
1: Well, he is a little bit busier now. Well, yeah. But I think that he gained the like he start kicked the he snowball. Lot. He snick kicked the snowball off the top of the hill with what he did during the height of COVID, mm-hmm. and it's just growing because he's he's Lando. He's fun.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, we had this conversation at lunch today <clears throat> that when we talked about some of these driver popularity pieces, it really comes down to who would you want to have a beer with? Like, yeah, really and truly, who would you want to like?
0: Spend well, time it, with. it it ties to some comments that Max Verstappen made going into this weekend, saying that he is not participating in Drive to Survive. He did there. There's a requirement that there was some interview that he had to do, but beyond that, he's not participating. And his his reasoning for it is that he says that he does not like the artificial drama that Drive to Survive presents. And so as a result, he's stepping away. And while I can understand the frustration about the artificial drama, I mean, let, let's remember this past year, the manufactured drama between Carlos Sainz Jr. and Lando Norris.
1: Exactly. Because
0: if you know anything about those two, there was no drama between them the, whatsoever.
1: There's not even drama now and they're on different teams.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can understand that bit of frustration and I get Yes, Max is the most popular driver, and you go to Zandvoort, and you know they they changed the speed limit signs and did all of this stuff to celebrate Max, and I get that, but he also can come off, and he well not can he does come off as kind of an ass, mm-hmm. and this doesn't help.
1: It doesn't, and I think that. He will, I think he has such a large fan base now. He doesn't feel like he needs to build it. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, you know, you think about how Drive to Survive has humanized some of the characters that we didn't historically think were all that great. And the more that we've learned about Sebastian Vettel, for example. Well,
0: we, he wasn't one that we've seen a lot on Drive to Survive. Okay. Um, honestly, I think Sebastian Vettel and humanizing him and. and
1: Has been a lot. That, of what he's that's done been this more year. about
0: him changing his stance and the things that he's done this year. Um, but Daniel Ricciardo is probably one of the big ones who can attribute his current popularity in large part to drive to survive.
1: Well, and I'm sure he can. And it wasn't that before drive to survive if you watched it you didn't like him. He was always that happy-go-lucky driver. He was. But you appreciated that when you put it in context with everything that they shared and But drive the to other
0: thing was Daniel embraced drive to survive. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got entire episodes where he he's being Daniel.
1: Mhm
0: for netflix exactly and recognize that
1: and i think that you feel for some of them i mean you felt the pain that daniel went through making the decision to to leave red bull Mm -hmm. you feel what valtteri's going through you know the, the the whole thing of him going to the sauna to try to figure out... No, that's not why I mentioned it. <laughs> um, to try to figure out what he was going to do. I mean, you feel that. That's the yeah. important... That's that humanizing element that it really does bring. And yes, Max is not wrong that it artificially creates drama. It tries to make a story where there's not necessarily one. But... It peels back the onion a little bit on the human side. And we joke, but that's kind of what we like to do here is not necessarily because we don't, we really don't have their cell phone numbers and we really don't have
0: that. Geez, thanks for letting that get out.
1: Well, everybody knew it, (laughs) but we can't peel it back like Netflix can, can Mm -hmm. because we don't have the access. But we try to peel back the piece of Formula One that's about the business side or what we can find out. And less about what actually happened on the track. I mean, that's really the least of what we talk about. Yeah, we we like the we're op- not
0: race analysts.
1: Well, that's true. That we'd be really bad at that. Yeah, mostly because I don't understand that. Go fast.
0: So other findings. <laughs> yes, still on 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 the survey. New and and honestly, this one ties I think a lot into Netflix. New, younger audience have shown growth in the U.S. at 50%, India, 55%, China, 58%, Mexico, 45%. And they indicated that they have been following the sport for less than five years.
1: We've been around longer.
0: Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of that is is the Netflix effect. Mm-hmm. 55% of fans believe F1 should be a world leader in the development of 100% sustainable fuels. 67% of fans are aware of F1's plan to introduce 100% sustainable fuels by 2025. 58% of fans say the sport has the balance of, has the right balance of sport and entertainment, which is up 39% from 2017. This no, is
1: it's up from 39%. Up from
0: 39%. Um, especially felt by new entrants to the sport, 81% of those who started following F1... In the last 12 months. And apparently. Twitter is the most used social platform. Used during race weekends. And Instagram is the fastest growing. The other area. So in the survey. Fans were asked about. Sprint races.
1: And they loved them right?
0: So. The survey found that there was a 7%. Not 7-0. 7%. Net approval of sprint races, improving the show in Formula One. I told you so. And when asked about introducing sprint races to every event, 60% of fans said they disagreed. I told you so. So Stefano Domenicali's reaction. The number is very, very encouraging. We see, from what we see as a figure, the mixed feelings of more traditional fans who are less happy for the change, while the new fans are really happy to see things moving in a different way. So it's basically the thing that I see is correct to consider. And that's why, as I state on the survey, we are not even thinking to go with all Grand Prix in a different format. We believe we can create a very fixed number that will be, I think, six in the near future with this format, with changes that we are thinking about together with the teams in order to improve the quality of the offer. Okay, 7% net approval. 7%, not 70, 7.
1: As in single digits.
0: That doesn't sound encouraging to me.
1: It also doesn't back up this idea that older Fans who are stuck in our ways, who know how it was great...
0: 7%
1: are the ones that disapprove of it. But all these newer fans like the new format. 7%. Yeah. Now, I would argue that the 60% um, for rolling it out to every race, that was not the plan. They said they weren't going to be able to roll it out to every race. So that is kind of a throwaway number. But if only 7% of your fans approve of the format?
0: After two of them.
1: Yeah. We haven't even had the third.
0: I am betting that when we had the crap qualifying a few years ago, that the approval number was right around 7%. And everyone said, this is the worst idea ever.
1: It might have been higher than 7%.
0: No, I don't know about
1: that. I mean, even the commentators were saying that the crap qualifying was bad.
0: That that's, that's why I'm not sure it was higher than
1: 7%. But it was bad. Yeah. And this is not so... This is also bad. I am opposed to sprint races.
0: So, other news.
1: Other news. I'm excited about this one. I want to know <clears throat> more about this.
0: So... Aston Martin says that they are thinking about changing the color of their car.
1: Good, because I dislike the color of their car.
0: They're going to change it to green. Maybe.
1: Excellent. Green would be a good color.
0: It's green now.
1: It's it's more like a candy green. So It's kind of like the 80s sort of called and they got the color wrong.
0: So they went with a darker green color. A darker Pantone color hmm um they said it doesn't work as well as they had hoped so what what otmar says and again this is otmar so you can take take it how you will he says that in person the car is stunning when you see it you know in sun and in, in race conditions in person the car looks fantastic what they have found is that it does not look quite so good on tv
1: well, what they wound up doing was they have some sort, it's like a metallic-y <clears throat> color, and it's got a kind of a color shift. a little bit. A color shift to it. Mm-hmm. I dislike it. And that's probably, if Otmar is to be believed, it's because I have not been flown to the track to see it in person.
0: And even Aston admits that at times it can be hard to tell on TV the Aston from the Mercedes, the black Mercedes. Because of how the color works.
1: Which is very weird when you think about the fact that that is a green car. Yeah. I mean, green and black are not typically close colors to each other. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: So, they're looking to tweak it. They're looking... Two different perspectives that they're trying to get this sorted out. Mm -hmm. One, the obvious one, like we mentioned, they want to make sure that the car looks better both in person and on TV. Okay, But the other consideration is weight. The weight of the paint is something that they're trying to sort out as well.
1: Is it because they'd have to paint over the existing paint and therefore they'd have two layers of paint? Or is it... no? Because they'd strip it and take well, it down... Well, if, p- if you
0: think about it for next year, this is going to be a new car. Correct. So if they change... They're not, there's not going to be an existing coat of paint on it that they would paint over it with. 'cause well, it's a new car.
1: I'm trying to figure out why the weight of the paint in a well, different it's the color level of
0: tolerances that, you know, the ingredients apparently and apparently those grams matter to them.
1: Well, yeah, but what makes this paint lighter in weight than a new color of paint?
0: So, it, the question is whether or not they can get enough pixie dust. <laughs> You know, that stuff is in short supply.
1: Well, supply chain being what it is. There you go. Okay, you used to work for a paint manufacturer. Yeah. I mean, how much does color weigh?
0: It depends. <laughs> On? Is it the duration? Or is it the emerald? Well. See, that 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 matters. It matters. And how much pigment do you need? Because that's all weight too. And you know, that all adds up. Is this why and- that
1: Mercedes used to be the silver car? Because they didn't have any paint whatsoever. They didn't waste the, the heavy weight on paint.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. <laughs> hey, I'm just sharing that.
1: You're fascinated by the fact that the tolerances within a car are so tight that even <clears throat> the weight of the paint matter. Yes. And I am down with that. I could geek out all day long. And there used to be a commercial. I think it was a commercial for one of the companies that took apart sort of like different stops and different things within the the Formula 1. And
0: they used the Red Bull car.
1: Yes. And it was like...
0: How polishing it and painting it. Changed, Uh, gave gave them a second.
1: Or this, you know, one little tweak, you know, Mm -hmm. moving a jack man two inches to the left gained this fraction of a second. And all of those things matter. And I used to love, other than the fact it was the Red Bull car, and we know how I feel about Red Bull. I really loved that commercial because it really highlights one of the things I truly love about Formula One is... It's it's a game of microseconds. It's a mm-hmm. game of little bitty things that all add up, and it's all of the little things, the details. I could get lost in that.
0: So one of the important details this weekend. Oh, segue. You, you just keep calling them out. <laughs> <laughs> So, for reasons that Red Bull is still unclear on, mm-hmm. the rear wing on Max Verstappen's Red Bull cracked.
1: Cheater, cheater, Punk year.
0: On Friday.
1: Cheater, cheater, Punk year.
0: No. Oh.
1: I was convinced, I was convinced that it was a cheating problem. And that was why it took so long to get to the podium ceremony was because they had caught Max in a cheating scandal. I was well, we so hopeful. We haven't even gotten
0: to that point
1: yet. I was so hopeful.
0: No, this this was after the free practice sessions. Right. The, the wing, and it was only, and, and this is what has Red Bull baffled, is the thought is maybe it was the bumps at the track that did it. But only Max's car was impacted. Sergio's wasn't. Correct. So, Hmm. and and, and in terms of the cheating and to completely take that completely off the table. So Red Bull got permission from the FIA to modify the wing and, and beef it up a bit, essentially. They made it heavier, which normally not a good thing. In order to make sure it could withstand the race and didn't crack again. hmm So, not cheating.
1: Maybe.
0: Probably not cheating.
1: I wouldn't put anything past helmet Marco.
0: Probably not cheating. Um, what Christian Horner said was they don't know if Max hit something because there was quite a crack and nothing on the other car or any of the other w- wings. They don't know what it was. Along the same lines over at Mercedes... Um, they made changes to the cars. Um, Toto Wolff said that the car was bottoming out quite heavily and that breaks the car. He said they took some mitigating steps to not break it in order to survive the race. Definitely it was a compromise for going faster on the track, but maybe a necessity to actually finish. Cool. So several, and, and word is that the problem that took both Alpines out of the race were cracking on the rear end. From mm. the bumps,
1: they said it was a really rough track.
0: Yes, the the bumps are an issue. They're they're going to the plan is to repave it, and, and we had heard that they were supposed to grind stuff down. Mm-hmm. Um, but or
1: grind the worst of it down. If yeah, grind the
0: worst the, of it. They clearly didn't because you could see the cars bouncing around out there. It well, was fairly dramatic.
1: Think about it, if they did grind <clears throat> the worst of it down, how bad it was prior.
0: Yeah. Um. Mercedes also, and, and all Toto Wolf would say, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had Valtteri Bottas that took yet another engine change, which by the way, Valtteri apparently on Instagram is really leaning into this. Mm. So he put up a picture of himself photoshopped in like an auto parts store <laughs> and said that this is what he's doing now with all his his spare engines as he started an auto parts store. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I really like the fin with the fin with a good sense of humor. <laughs> you know, a,
0: a, a couple of weeks ago, it was Valtteri standing in front of a pile of engines and smirking. This, yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: I, the, the Photoshop skills are strong with that fin.
0: But while somehow they escape needing to make an engine change on Lewis's car, we did see not just Valtteri take new engines, but Sebastian Vettel took new engines and and took a new engine and George Russell took a new engine, Mm -hmm. which says that obviously there's something going on with this engine. Exactly. But they won't give us the details on what maybe we'll find out towards the end of the season. Um, But kind of alarming to see that.
1: Yeah, I I tried, but Toto won't take my call when he said, he answered, he says, Is this a question about the engine? And I said yes, and he hung up. He on hung it. up.
0: Yeah. Um, so the other change, not just was there grinding down of the bumps, the other change that happened at the track was removal of the sausage curb that was on the inside of turn one. Correct. So it was done in response to an incident that occurred on Saturday during the W series race. There were two races. Um, Sunday was supposed to be the finale of the W series race, um, or, or the W series Saturday was, you know, obviously the, the penultimate race. So the incident occurred when Abby Eaton was launched over the curb after suffering a T4 compound fracture during the race. Um, and she's, she was hospitalized as a result of this. Oh my. Now, if you do not recognize, well, if you Think, well, you know, I think I've heard that name, but I don't know who that is. Abby Eaton was the test car driver for um, the grand tour when the awful American was gotten rid of in the first season. Oh. That's who Abby Eaton is.
1: Oh, that's who that is. Yes. She was
0: good she was but apparently she's so when do a search for abby eaton accident and it seems like she's been in quite a few of them um
1: (laughs) you drive a car fast enough and often enough you run into a few things
0: so yeah she had a a t4 compound fracture Mm. um as a result of being launched over the sausage curbs
1: ouch
0: yeah so that's why the curbs were removed
1: Well, I remember during the race, they just talked about it from a prior incident, but ouch.
0: So race day. Yes. This was the first time in what, two years that Martin Brundle was allowed to talk to people on the grid. Yes. And he did his best and it was classic Martin Brundle. Mm Mm-hmm. Did his best and got snubbed quite a few times and- rolled with it. If you did not see it, the moment that has everybody, and and I do mean everybody, because the number of, I mean, TMZ picked up on it, the New York Post picked up on it, obviously the the car The Twitterverse was just a Twitter. Everybody picked up on it. Martin Brundle trying to interview Megan Thee Stallion and muscling past her bodyguards. Well, not really muscling, but he was a big dude.
1: He was a big dude, and if, Martin is
0: not. If you haven't heard the moment, haven't heard the exchange, we'll we'll share that with you first. And uh, I think, yeah, it is. Uh, that's a very big bloke in front of her. I don't think uh, Megan Martin Brundle from British Television. How are you, Megan the Stallion? You're a you're a freestyle rapper. Um, I think she's happy. Okay, boss. You're a freestyle rapper. Have you got any rap for us today on Formula One? <laughs> I
1: have no rap today. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, who, are you support? who are you supporting in the race? Uh, I can do that because I did. Yeah. Okay. She seemed very happy to talk, didn't she? That was very nice of her and I appreciate that. So, yeah, th- there was the her security and PR team. That's one of the questions. So, obviously, the big dude that was standing in front was security. And he first tried to push Martin off and she actually tapped him and nodded and and said, no, like she wanted to do this. And, and, and you can see cheerful. And she was smiling, Mm -hmm. interacting with Martin. Somebody else popped in after Martin asked, well, who are you supporting? And we couldn't clearly hear what was said, but we heard Martin's response, yes, which was Awesome. <laughs> and then his follow up afterwards of, well, you know, yeah, they may have pushed me off, but, you know, she was kind of nice. Yeah. Which, you know, it was, but the whole exchange. And it wasn't just that. It was, he also tried to have a conversation with, what was it, Serena Williams? Mm hmm.
1: I think it was Serena.
0: And a, Serena wouldn't talk to him, and her, P, her PR and security team wouldn't let him engage which was ridiculous
1: it is very odd
0: so the, you know the issue that I have is that unless for for formula one personnel unless they are engaged in like technical discussions or somebody's really got to pee or something like I'm sorry they've really got to go to a comfort break get it right they, unless they really got to go to a comfort breaker, or, they, you know, they, they can't be late up front. You know, there's some certain pressing reasons. But other than that, they're really not allowed to snub the media. Correct. And it doesn't matter whether they're a driver, team principal, whatever. They're really not allowed to snub the media. And yet you've got these celebrities wandering around on the grid. One, this is, I think, the first time that we've seen celebrities with security on the grid, which... What the hell are they doing on the grid with security? Number one.
1: Well, that was a lot of what was mentioned in the Twitterverse, because Martin actually tweeted about this. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot about, you know, wait a minute. There's all sorts of security protocols to get onto the grid. It's mm-hmm. already a limited audience. It's
0: incredibly limited. It's audience.
1: not like there's general public that they need to mm-hmm. worry about. Um, what What is what is the goal of having security? And one I will say possibly wise Twitterer said that their feeling was the only reason that some of these uh, lower celebrities or lesser celebrities have these big entourages is because they are in the world of bigger celebrities and they are trying to assert how much of a celebrity they are, which I thought was an
0: interesting kind of play on. I, I could see that to some extent where that I think kind of falls flat is Serena Williams right that that that's where that kind of fell over for me but but for Megan V stallion okay yeah yeah I could see that argument beyond that though yeah you don't get into the paddock let alone onto the grid unless you've got the right passes and just because you have access to the paddock in Formula one does not get you access onto the grid you have to be uber VIP to get onto the grid what the hell
1: Well, yeah, and if you, I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you looked at all of the different credentials that people were wearing, everybody on the grid had more than one badge. Mm -hmm. There was a grid badge, there was a a different badge, there was other badges. So they had to have gone through multiple levels of badge checking.
0: Yeah, and when you think about it, if if you, you watch this and follow this through the season, in terms of badges... There were much more and much bigger badges in Austin than we see elsewhere. You know, normally we see the press and we th- see the, the uh, team personnel. They've got their one hard pass. And really what gets them access onto the grid is the combination of the pass and the lanyard that says grid. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> exactly. I have the magic lanyard. I have the hard pass. i um, going.
1: And that hard pass fits in their shirt pocket. Yes, because that's the size of it. Mm-hmm. These were...
0: These were ridiculous.
1: The, well, you know what they were? They were the size of the conference passes, the conference <laughs> card things that I get when I wind up, you know, yeah. going to all these big conferences. And the reason that they're the size that they are is so that Show somebody... Show people off. So they can see, read my name. That That's the goal is so that the sales yeah. guy that you're talking to in that they can read your name, read the company that you're looking, that you're going to. I mean, that's... That's the primary thing that's on my badge.
0: But, you know, when it comes to these celebrities that are on the grid, and, and honestly, for the most part, I don't like them there in the first place. I think they're a waste of time and a waste of energy. But if you're going to be on, If you're a celebrity and you're going to be on the grid, your only purpose is going to be to appear on the grid. Which means if the press wants to come and talk to you, you talk to the press.
1: Well, that's the thing I don't understand is you're on the grid. You add no value to the sport. Mm -hmm. So are you not there to see and be seen?
0: Yeah. So why not when somebody comes and and admittedly, if you don't follow Formula One and Martin Brundle comes up to you and goes British TV and he's holding a sky mic, you don't make the connection that he's also the American broadcaster. Mm -hmm. But He's the American broadcaster and the British broadcaster. Two countries, one shot. I know. And actually, since Sky does most of the the world feed, it's probably a lot more than two countries.
1: Well, and that's the other thing is if you if nothing else, you got to figure that the British TV guy is covering a lot of the English speaking world. Mm-hmm. Now, the I, I will give credit. The basketball players had no problem talking to Martin Brundle.
0: The basketball players had no problem talking to him. Heck, Ben Stiller, who at some point Martin goes, well, I know I got a thing that said he doesn't do any media, but we'll go talk to him anyway. And Ben's like, hey, how's it going? Here's my son. Yeah. I didn't know he had a son. I mean, like, <laughs> that
1: was cool. And can we just have a side little conversation real quick? Mention the basketball players. hmm Shaq.
0: <laughs> Shaq up on the podium. And so you walked off before the trophies were handed out. So you missed this one. But yes, Shaq's standing up on the podium. And Lewis is, you know, he's standing between Lewis and he's standing between Max. And he's taller than Lewis on the podium. And he's almost as tall as Max on the first place podium. Exactly. But Shaq is handed out the first place trophy to Max. And really, it looked like he was handing, you know, one of the little participation trophies <laughs> to a kindergartner because the size difference was that big. <laughs> I, I,
1: I theoretically known how big Shaq is. I mean, Shaq played for the Orlando Magic when I was in college, just to kind of give you an an idea. Here. Yeah,
0: yes, he he he's the one who brought. Who, who changed the the attitude around Florida's two great basketball teams that used to be known as the Miami Week and the Orlando Tragic.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Then Shaq showed up and they got good.
1: So it just so <clears throat> happened that my college roommate, this is my story about Shaq, my mm-hmm. college roommate worked for the Magic okay, um, in their back office. And when they won that championship, everybody in the whole organization got a ring. Yes. And... They don't ask you your size if you are not yeah, a player. It's just here, it's a here and it's a giant ring. Mm-hmm. Well, for whatever reason, Shaq was in the office, and she she was like five foot nothing. She played Mickey Mouse at uh, <laughs> Disney World at some point in her life. Five foot nothing, tiny girl, and Shaq was in the office and he was a personable guy, and he took took off his ring. And off of his finger, it could fit on most of hers. It was, I mean, it was the question of, could that be a bracelet? I think was what they were trying to figure out. The size difference between them. And I'm like, he's like seven feet tall and she's five. (laughs) It was crazy. But yeah, she talked about how nice he was and how awesome he was. But he is a giant. And it's really exasperated when you put them next to tiny race car drivers.
0: And- Shaq apparently is a big F- Formula One fan. He's, th- there's apparently several interviews with Martin Brundle and Shaq on the grid oh, going wow. back a couple of years. But wrapping up the grid thing, the, the grid situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Martin's comeback after being snubbed, not nearly as good as my all time favorite from Russia in 2015. So maybe we'll just give the last few seconds here to Eric Boulier, if we may. Eric, small uh, words? No? Okay, well, they've been doing so much winning this year, they don't need the publicity, so we'll let Eric uh, make his way to the front of the grid. And the last thing you want to do is get any airtime for your sponsors.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You gotta give DC credit. (laughs) I mean, that was an epic burn. Epic. (laughs) Martin's had some good burns along the way. But yeah, you're right. That is that is my all-time that is I'm like you. That is my all-time favorite.
0: So the race. And and one of the comment there's been a lot of talk about how Netflix has clearly had an impact on Formula 1. And we didn't I didn't realize this until I was looking something else up th- this weekend. So this weekend was also a NASCAR race. Mm. And if you remember when when Formula One first came to Texas years ago you know our big question was whether or not this race was really gonna get off the ground because we're talking Longhorn football country and they kept scheduling it against home games for the and Longhorns
1: they scheduled it it was it like the two Texas teams mm-hmm. uh, on like that, that big weekend yep. you know Texas a m against whatever Texas
0: but Texas's football country and Texas's NASCAR country. Exactly. And very passionate about both of those. And we had... And and initially, when, when they were talking about how big the crowd is, I was like, yeah, whoopee-doo. We had heard the numbers the previous years were 120,000 a day. It was 140,000, apparently, is the reported crowd this year. Wow. By comparison, there was a NASCAR race this weekend at the same time in Kansas they said that the attendance was so bad you could read the track name painted on the seats in the bleachers. Ouch. And 140,000 fans at Circuit of the Americas for the Formula One race.
1: Now, do they think Honestly, do they think that NASCAR has bled fans to Formula One? Is that, you know, I had a choice. I was going to go to the NASCAR race in Miller, Kansas, or I'm going to go to Austin where it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, kind of the marketer in me is like, what other mitigating things would have made that kind of shift? Is it correlation or causation? You know, those are the big questions that always so go through my a lot of
0: the assumption is... Netflix Mm -hmm. and the pandemic driving a lot of people to streaming shows and discover, especially if you remember, right at the peak of lockdown was when Drive to Survive season two hit. Right. So folks were scrambling to find things to watch and Drive to Survive hit. So timing worked perfectly. There's nothing like that for NASCAR. NASCAR has, and and we've talked about this before, NASCAR has been seeing slowly declining numbers Mm -hmm. over the last couple years. And I'm not saying that NASCAR is dying at all. Um, But I do think it's kind of telling that a race in Texas pulled those kind of numbers and that kind of an attendance over a NASCAR race.
1: I, I think you're right. I think what the survey that they need to be doing is how many of the people that were at Circuit of the Americas had attended a NASCAR race mm-hmm. in the That would have been really
0: interesting. That
1: would have been the number I really wanted to know.
0: That would have been really interesting. So the race itself, that <sighs> first lap. Awesome. That that was especially... and, and I, I think one of the moments that will stick with me for a while from that first lap was the two McLarens ganging up on Carlos Sainz and having Lando Nar you know, as they got into, I think it was, what was it, turn five where that was going on? But, but as it looked like both of them were about to go and sweep past Carlos Sainz, they catch up to Charles Leclerc and the other Ferrari and Lando Norris has to bail out of it mm-hmm. while, while Daniel Ricciardo gets to rock it ahead. That was, and, and because of how tightly they were focused on the three of them going into that corner, we didn't see Charles Leclerc until all of a sudden, boom, he was there. I know. That was, that was impressive. But that whole first lap and even into the second lap, really, really good race. Overall, it wasn't a bad race. There was a lot of passing going on. There was a lot of action that was happening. Um, But, honestly, what I I took away from this, honestly, I'm going to say it. At this point, Lewis Hamilton is mathematically capable of winning the world championship. Oh. And when you throw the mathematically number out there, or the mathematically common out there, it's about good is done. I'm sorry. The fact that Lewis could not catch Max, I, I think that's, that, that's it. The the car does not have... And I don't think it's a matter of Lewis not being a good driver because they were something like 40 seconds ahead of Sergio Perez, The two of them. Yeah. I mean you look at the timing, you look at the stats, the two of them were in a class all by themselves compared to the rest of the grid.
1: In the live timing, if you were reading the lap by lap commentary Mm
0: -hmm.
1: towards the end, there was a, there was a single line that I absolutely loved that Perez was alone racing his own race in third. (laughs) Um, But he had nobody around him completely like Mm -hmm. nothing. You're right. Lewis and Max were in a class unto themselves. I am not handling the mathematically word very well. Um, No. This is probably one of the reasons why we did not record yesterday. (laughs) Um, I was too depressed for words. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. None of them are coherent, so I'm going to hold them for a little bit because... I'm emotionally invested in Lewis winning this eighth championship. And I'm emotionally invested in Max Nott. <laughs> I don't like him. I'm gonna just say it out yeah. there. And the fact that I don't like the one that's going or that could potentially win or has the the the, the tide is with him right now. That bothers me. I like to like my winners. That's the problem. Yeah, And I will tell you that I have not self-analyzed enough to say whether I dislike him on the surface or if I dislike him because he's not Lewis or that he's beating Lewis. That's also a possibility. There's a whole lot of self-reflection.
0: So I will freely say that watching as Max has gotten colder and more aloof the deeper into the season, the less I, I like him.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. But I think that that's also that robotic focus. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that I can't shake. And this is what it keeps going through my head. Remember the year that Rosberg won? Mm-hmm. And you know Lewis has been on this meteoric rise here recently. And the year Rosberg won, and when he retired... You know, he won and he retired. Mm -hmm. Um, We will never defend his championship. I get that. He did an interview that said that in order to beat Lewis, Mm -hmm. he had to put everything he had into beating Lewis. Yes. And I think that that's what I'm seeing. An
0: extreme level of focus.
1: An extreme level of focus. He could not participate with his wife. He Mm -hmm. didn't help raise the kid. He was not present In anything but in this world of beating Lewis. And that's a lot of what I think I see in this cold aloofness that's going on with Max. That may be some of it. Which starts to beg the thought that goes through my head. And one can argue I have, I'm emotionally invested in Lewis. I get it. But Lewis is never as singularly focused at beating his opponent as his opponents have to be to beat him. Yeah. Isn't that a wild thought? It is. Like, what would it look like if Lewis was singularly focused? And would it even be possible? Because we know Lewis is better when he's got distractions. Yeah. But what would that, mean, what would that look like?
0: Well, I think that's the thing is we know that he's better when he's got distractions. He might not be better.
1: If he was singular if he's, focused. Yeah. It, it could be. But it's like Lewis doesn't, you know, to win, he's not that pinpoint mm-hmm. focused. He can do other things. How amazing is that? Anyway, you might have pulled out the mathematically word. I still hold hope. I have a lot of hope. I believe this thing's going to go down. I honestly believe it is going to go down to the last race. It, it,
0: it's going to be close and it's going to stay tight. But the reality is, I, I think the combination of this week and Russia has shown that Mercedes really does not have the performance that they need. They don't have the faster car to give Lewis that last bit that he needs. Because I I think clearly what we saw this weekend is that Lewis has the talent that he can outdrive Max. Mm-hmm. I I I I think with the rundown that we saw in the last six to twelve laps, yes, absolutely, he has the talent to, and, and he is a better driver than Max. But the car is just. That little bit off performance wise that he doesn't have enough.
1: Exactly. That's that's the that's and, my and that's concern. Why. Now I can hope that Max has a DNF. One DNF, yeah. this whole thing
0: shifts. Should shift.
1: One non points finish <clears throat> shifts everything.
0: And that's why I'm saying mathematically. I understand that, that. That's why I'm pulling out the mathematics. Because the, the other thing that, you know, in the last race, where were we last? No, in Turkey. Mm-hmm. That it's clear that Max and Red Bull have realized, and, and I think we even said it back then, Max doesn't need to win every yeah. race for the remainder of the season. He just
1: has to be in front of Lewis.
0: Yep. That's all that matters.
1: Yeah. And I get it. I, I, get I should it.
0: trot out the the Nico Rosberg sound clip we have. Just beat Lewis. Yeah. Well, how do you win? Just, Just beat Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> that's
1: that's the way you do this. All right. Um, before you spiral me into another Great Depression, um, you know our fans would appreciate it if you did not declare partially through the race that you're going to call the whole season if Max wins because the the depression not good.
0: <clears throat> oh. Okay. So. Other news. We'll start to wrap up. Okay. Um, Once again, because we've heard this a couple of times, Sydney is saying that, and and it's coming from the local government, that they are, um, and it's the government of New South Wales, is assessing a bid to become the host city of Formula One in Australia and take the race back from Melbourne. Now, this would not be at the previous location they'd held it at, but they've got an idea, and, and it's uh, a Monaco street-style circuit winding along the harbor.
1: That could be really cool. Could we do both? It, they were already there for Melbourne.
0: Well, that would be the question. I don't know.
1: Yeah. double header: Melbourne, Sydney.
0: So, all a- according to seven local TV news in Sydney... Sensitive high-level talks are underway regarding a bid for the Australian Grand Prix, with the government of New South Wales looking to pump tens of millions of dollars into major events to accelerate the state's COVID-19 recovery. So, we shall see what happens. This isn't the first time that we've heard that Sydney ha- is trying to make a move. Um, over to IndyCar real quick. So, it, Nico Hulkenberg has acknowledged that probably um, his F1 career is over, mm-hmm. um, and he is looking to IndyCar. And this week he will be testing at uh, Barber Motorsports Park for Arrow McLaren SP.
1: It'll give me another person I can stock on the track.
0: It'd be cool, and and I I know McLaren is talking really hard, and we don't know if it's going to happen. In 22 or 23, but they want to have a third car. So there are seats available Mm -hmm. over at Arrow McLaren.
1: Yeah. Seats available at Arrow McLaren. No seats available at Andretti. Yeah, well. (laughs) So Andretti's like, yeah, it's it's crazy.
0: Um, There was a rumor that came out and it was um, populated, I guess, by decal spotters. Now they are known to be Keen on the whole sponsorship drive and livery changes and all of that. The week before the U.S. Grand Prix, they reported that or they claimed, and this isn't the first time that they've done this, that Petronas was looking to end their deal with Mercedes and Aramco, Saudi Aramco, who also sponsored this weekend's Grand Prix, was looking to buy out their sponsorship of Mercedes Hmm. and take over the, the title sponsorship um Mercedes and Patronus have come out and said yeah, no we're committed we're not going anywhere we're really happy this isn't this isn't real okay so so did you see the video no of Zach Brown in a tattoo parlor in Austin no Zach Brown was in a tattoo parlor in Austin
1: I heard Zach got a tattoo
0: Zach got a tattoo and it is confirmed that Zach got a tattoo before Cyril a Bitbull got his tattoo.
1: I don't think Cyril's ever getting that tattoo.
0: I don't think so either. Especially now that he's out. He's like, the heck with this. I'm I'm done. Um, Maybe that's why he left Alpine. Because he knew that every race somebody was going to go, so Cyril, what's the tattoo?
1: Yeah. When are you getting a tattoo? Exactly.
0: So Zach got a tattoo. The tattoo is of... Monza with the date of the win nice so you would think that if that was the tattoo that this was somehow related to the bet for daniel ricardo and the podium well actually the win mm-hmm. so daniel got if, if you did not see that video either daniel got to drive dale earnhardt's car at Circuit of the Americas, and oh, by the way, at the top of turn one, those skid marks that you saw there, that was from Daniel and Dale Earnhardt's car doing donuts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was really fascinated by Daniel's review of the car, and Mm -hmm. the the, trying to recover from oversteer, because the steering wheel is so big.
0: So, Daniel has... Well, he he got... Actually, let me put it this way. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, commented on Daniel's drive of Dale Sr.'s car. Okay. Very supportive, thrilled with it. They're, they're really excited. They thought it was wonderful that he was out there. They love his enthusiasm. Um, Daniel said that if he'd heard that beforehand, he probably would have cried. Aww. Um, because he is that big of a Dale Earnhardt fan. He also said that when he wanted to use... Cause he, he he races under Dale Earnhardt's number three number, and the font in his logo is the same font that Dale uses. He wondered if he should ask the Earnhardt family for permission, and he said that, that when he reached out to Dale about, he's like, I didn't even get a chance to ask. They're like, absolutely, go for it.
1: <laughs> wow, that's we're so thrilled. Cool. That's cool. Yeah,
0: but this tattoo that Zach Brown got was not related to any of that other than the fact that it was of Monza. Okay. So it came about through the Grand Tree, Grand Prix Trust with Sky where a team boss gets nominated each year to do something that terrifies them. Zach was nominated by Toto Wolf. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he nominated him because, well, needles terrify Zack. So in trying to... Th- so and, and this was Zack's decision. He said in trying to think to, to think through what would be kind of fun and genuine and properly terrifying, he came up with the idea of getting a tattoo. Oh, wow. So that's where it came from. But the idea was because Daniel likes tattoos and he wanted Monza and that was all close. So that's why it's the tattoo of Monza and the date.
1: Got it. So he honored Daniel, but it was really because he was... Challenge to do something that scared him. Right. Interesting. I didn't know they did that.
0: And if you're not familiar with the Grand Prix Trust, what this is, and I think we mentioned it a couple of years ago, this is a charity that supports those in Formula One when they run into hardships. Okay. So financial and and other types of support for them. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's what I got.
1: All righty. Is that the last story?
0: That was the last story.
1: So I got to, the one thought that I had when I heard that Zach got this tattoo before Cyril and Mm -hmm. it was not really because of some side bet that Daniel had with him. Mm -hmm. This is my theory. This was my first reaction. Oh, well, Zach always wanted a tattoo and this is how he justified it to his wife. (laughs) 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 Well, I had to.
0: (laughs) Total bet me.
1: Toto made me.
0: And then she said, and if Toto told you to jump off her bridge and before she finished the statement, he said, he said yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so duh.
1: <laughs> can anybody tell me, does Toto have a tattoo? And if so, where is it? And can I see it?
0: And on that note, <laughs> we'll call it a show.